Thanks for joining us for the Fight for Your Marriage podcast with Charlene and Lori. This is a place where you can find hope for your marriage through Jesus Christ. Hey, it's Lori. Thanks for joining us for another episode. I'm so glad that you're here, and I think you're going to enjoy today's episode. You know, one question that we commonly hear is from people who feel that they were the prodigal, and they were the person that may have strayed in the marriage. They were the person who walked away from the marriage. But now God has gotten hold of their heart and they've realized what the Bible says about marriage and about covenant. And they are now the one who is standing for marriage restoration. And so it's common to hear from people who kind of wonder if I'm the person who caused the problems in our marriage, do I have a right to stand for marriage restoration? And the answer is yes. God forgives your sin and he sees you and he loves you. So he wants to take that knowledge that he's given you through understanding what marriage really means and about the covenant of marriage. And now you get to use that information to stand for the restoration of your marriage. And when we um, talk about this topic, one interview always comes to mind. And it's an interview that my mom, Charlene, did with Deanne. And Deanne has a restored marriage today, but she shares in this interview how God got hold of her life and how he exposed the truth to her. So she began understanding how God viewed her marriage and that she could stand for the restoration of her marriage. I know this interview is going to be life-changing for you. I hope that God really uses it to just open your eyes to um, repenting of things from the past and also that he opens your eyes to being honest with your husband or wife, even if they're a prodigal, even if they have no interest right now in marriage restoration and your relationship might not be um, very steady I really think that one particular story Deanne shares in here where she got honest with her husband will impact you. And I just want to challenge you to um, ask God what words you need to share with your spouse. What do they need to hear from you? What truths, what confessions, what apologies? I just think that God can use those things to really um, redeem you as you're on this path to marriage restoration. And when you hear this episode, you may think of someone that could benefit from this and um, would learn from this. And so I would just invite you to share this episode, share the Fight for Your Marriage podcast with others. Um, Even people that are in healthy, thriving marriages can really benefit from some of the topics that we talk about and hearing, um, especially the couples who have restored marriages, the the trials they were facing and how God restored and redeemed their marriage and their situation. And so I invite you to share this with others. Um, We appreciate that. We do not have sponsors for this show. It is just Rejoice Marriage Ministries sponsoring it. And so your sharing it with others definitely helps to get the word out about this podcast. So I hope you enjoy this episode. And um, if God uses it to speak to you, comment on the podcast app that you're listening to, or go to our website at rejoiceministries.org and click on contact us. And we would love to hear how God uses this episode to be a blessing and encouragement to you.
Deanne, it's a thrill to have you here to be able to share your testimony to all of our men and women who are praying for marriage restoration because we've known your testimony and I know it's going to benefit many others and so we just are blessed that you came to share today. Well, thank you, Charlene, for inviting me and it's not easy, but I would love to share so that it can help someone else who is going through um, marriage standing or marriage reconciliation and um, it's possible. Amen, it is. Tell us about your dating and when you got married. Uh, Were you Christians, and uh, how did that all start? I was raised as a Christian, uh, raised Pentecostal, and my husband's family was basically Catholic, went to church on occasion. They, They weren't very active in the church. And my parents went through divorce when I was in my teens. So my family stopped going to church, and then I started taking a wayward path. So as my husband and I met, I was not in a good place with the Lord. We dated for about two years, were having sexual relations, and I ended up getting pregnant. And when we went to the pregnancy center and got the test, we walked outside and I said, I don't want you to marry me because I'm pregnant. And he said, no, I love you and I want to marry you. Amen. So we got married within about two months, month and a half. Um, but that was a very rough start as we were very young. I was 20 and he was 23. So when you started that first year and the baby was born, how did it go? Well, we lived with my parents, my mom, for about four months. And then we bought our first house as he was a veteran and we were able to buy a house. That was a good thing. But it was very stressful buying a house in April Having the baby in June, we both worked full-time, so a lot of pressures, a lot of stress, a lot of adjustments, very young with a lot of responsibility. So because we weren't connected to the church, um, we really didn't know where to turn. So when did you start actually having marriage problems? Would you say that first year was immediate? Definitely the first year. We loved each other, and we were very excited about having our child, and when our daughter was born, um, we did decide to seek out a church, and we started attending um, a local Baptist church, which was kind of in between both of our our beliefs, and then we went on to have our second child two years later, Um, but because of my background with my family and his background, we were totally different. His parents were always married, never divorced. His mom was a full-time housewife and mom of five kids. And his dad worked and basically was in charge, you know, as the head of the household, the way it should be. And my parents being divorced, my mom was a single mom raising five kids. And we saw her struggle and we saw her have to be independent. And my two sisters and I kind of vowed that, we know those vows aren't good, vowed that we would never depend on a man, that we would always be independent. So that was kind of my unknowing underlying attitude in the marriage is that I didn't like my husband telling me what to do or felt he was trying to control me when, in essence, as a Christian woman, I should have been submitted to him and respecting him. But because he felt I didn't respect him, there was a lot of clashing, I guess you could say. And if you think about Ephesians 5, where we say, women, submit to your husbands as unto the Lord, 
we don't understand how important that is. And the men want, are to love their wives as Christ loved the church. But unfortunately, if he's not a believer, he doesn't even yet understand that true meaning. And then at the bottom of Ephesians 5, it says, women, respect your husbands. We find out that that's a problem that the women say, what is there to respect? And I don't have anything to, to think of. And that's where we have to say, you really need to think of anything. And to start a list and to start thinking of the positives. Did you start crying out to the Lord? How did you progress with your marriage? And I did start crying out to the Lord because I didn't want to be unhappy. I didn't want to argue. Uh, my husband was a very hard worker, worked two jobs. I worked, and it just seemed like that's all we did was work. <laughs> work and take care of two kids, and we didn't really have a lot of us time, which is very important. We learned later that we should have had the date nights and we should have, you know, nurtured our relationship. He wasn't real comfortable leaving our children with anyone um, due to his upbringing. So that was, you know, that was a, a, a glitch in our marriage. So I started crying out to the Lord and just praying, and God, I want to get along. And I would tell him, I will never divorce you. I don't care what you say, what you do. And, you know, we just kind of picked at each other's faults instead of, showing grace and showing mercy and embracing the good things, we kind of were always criticizing each other. And it just escalated. And he said, well, we're going to end up divorced because you do this. And I said, well, I'm never going to divorce you. I don't care what you do. And it kind of ended up flipping toward the end. And, you know, we have to say right now is that what Deanne is saying, may you take these as nuggets of gold that you do need a date night you aren't super people that we don't need to keep our love life going and having quiet time or just uh, dinner over uh, talking without children screaming or tugging at you. And, and it's important. And this is something you can start praying for right now is that your husband or wife will pick up the phone and say, I'd like to go out and meet you somewhere or I'd like to stop by the house and and watch a movie with you. Pray for God to start moving and tugging at their heart to start to have a relationship, of rebuild your friendship, rebuild your date life, that you can start rebuilding your foundation of marriage restoration. And it starts at the beginning, one brick at a time. And, uh, and that's so important. And we often, and I can say most of everyone I know and talk to, is there's at least one of us that have a critical spirit, that we see only the bad and not the good in each other, especially when we're arguing or fighting. And there's got to be one person that's going to step back and be able to say, zip the lips, and where we will not go down that road and we'll hush and pray, and then we'll pray for that. Even if you're divorced, we want to have a transformation, a heart transformation for all of you, which you're going to hear from Deanne. But right now, while your spouse is gone, may you learn and ask God to remove that critical spirit so that you do not fight and argue over the phone or when you're picking up the kids or dropping off the children. Uh, because that can you, can, you continue to escalate your issues and the spouse is saying, this is why I'm never coming home. 
And we don't want that. I'm so glad you brought up that point. It's excellent. And what ultimately happened that led to your divorce? Or, and you could see your marriage spiraling down. Well, things being troubled in our marriage and having been married young with children and all the responsibilities of life um, is, is enough in itself, but we also had issues in the bedroom. And I feel that if things are unhealthy in the bedroom, it's going to affect the entire marriage. Um, my issues were I was inappropriately touched by three extended family members during my teen years. And I think because of that, I had a barrier to sexual um, comfort and, and having the mental to enjoy it. And my husband um, was different. He had many friends, and they would go out, and you know they were a little more promiscuous than I was growing up. And one of his love languages was definitely physical touch. And I feel that I was not able to meet those, those needs, and we just had differences in that way in the bedroom. And because that was unhealthy and struggling and everything else, um, he ended up leaving for just a short time. Uh, we would get into spats, and he would go to mom's house and, you know, be gone. And he came back, and we tried to work it out. And then when he left again and wanted to come back, the enemy truly had hardened my heart. Now that I look back, I can see that the enemy truly hardened my heart. And I said, no, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to fight. My daughter would come and say, Mommy, I don't want Daddy to make you cry. I was very sensitive, very emotional. And I just did not want to try at that point. I was, I was done with my marriage. And my husband said, well, let's go to counseling. Let's, let's try to get help. I love you, which is something he very rarely said over the years we were married. Um, I'm not sure why. It's, I guess a lot of men aren't comfortable saying, I love you. Now we say, I love you every time we talk. <laughs> You know, we have found out there are men and women that are raised in a home like I was that my mother and dad never said, I love you to us kids or to each other that we can hear or remember. I have a relative that says that she never says, I love you to her children because she never heard it from her own parents. There are many men and women, I believe, that have lived a life that they never heard it or did not get it frequently or the hugs and may i encourage you if you have that uh, dna that you have had that in your life may you ask the holy spirit to give you the agape love for your family members and you start showing and speaking the love the words and the hugs to your children. And then if you can, when the Lord opens the doorway, that you can say to your spouse, I love you, because that will make a difference in our lives. In fact, may I recommend Gary Chapman, The Five Love Languages. This is a very good book to work on, to examine your love languages and to understand your wife's or husband's love languages. That is part of getting ready and prepared to be meet their needs and not just our own. So I'm so glad you shared that. So the, your, your children are reacting, and now they don't want to see you cry, but now he's loving you and saying, I love you, and now what happens? So because I did not want to work on the marriage, and truth being, I started getting attracted to a client at work, 
and my heart was divided. So the enemy started coming in like that sly snake to take my, my affection away from my husband and give me lust of another man. So we ended up selling our house. My children were seven and nine. Uh, it was right after Hurricane Andrew, and it was my children and I had to find an apartment. It was not a great neighborhood. And my husband moved with home with his mom. So the next two years, I was involved in this relationship, this adulterous relationship. My husband was going to divorce care group. He ended up meeting a woman there and started dating her. Well, after two and a half years, everything was spiraling down in my life because I knew I was sinning. I was hiding it from my children. I had stopped going to church and was just, it was all about me. So as the Lord showed me the end of last year, I was a prodigal. You never had considered that prior to that last year? Never saw myself as a prodigal. I thought that my choices were justified because of the issues in our marriage. And the lies of the enemy is that, well, I deserve better. I deserve to be happy. And it was all about me during that two and a half years, what I wanted to do, the classes I wanted to take, the dance, the college, just having fun when the kids went with their dad. I was, you know, having fun with this person, I thought, but ended up suicidal. Where I sat on that bed one day, my kids were with their dad, and I said, I don't want to do this thing called life anymore. And just thought, how can I end it all? And that's when the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart and said, are you going to leave your kids without a mom? And I broke and said, no, God, I love my kids. They're my life, and I don't want to hurt them, but I can't do this anymore. Help me. And that's when the Lord told me, cut it off with him. So I broke up with the boyfriend. And within two weeks, the Lord led me to a church where my kids and I started attending and got connected. And that started my journey to healing and my journey to intimacy with the Lord. God does speak to his children, does yes. he not? Yes. Even in the darkest, darkest of days. And that is what I want everybody to hear, is that even the darkest days when you think it is as black as it can get, cry out to the Lord because he sees and is right there with you. And he will speak to you and direct your steps. And wow, getting back into church and, and seeking the Lord and growing in the Lord, that is a total um, a transformation of God moving in your heart. And that's a huge praise. During this time of transformation and going back into church, were you able to talk to your husband and tell him what has transpired in your heart and life? Yes, he did see a difference in me quite quickly. Because as the Lord really washed me and delivered me from depression, that spirit of heaviness that led to the suicide thoughts, he gave me such a joy, Charlene, the joy of the Lord. I no longer had that gloomy face. I was glowing and shining and smiling. And people would say, what's up with you? You're different. And I would just share Jesus with them and what the Lord did for me. So my husband did notice that. And we invited him to church, and I don't remember how soon after that, but he did come and try the church. Matter of fact, my whole family had been out of church. The Lord used me through that incident. All my family, my brothers, sisters, my parents, everyone ended up coming and joining the same church. So we were all in the same church, worshiping the Lord, growing in the Lord, and 
my kids and I just started praying for their dad because we really wanted to see him happy. We wanted to see him have what we had. And he started coming, little by little, he started coming to church. So it seems like you're having a huge praise with your husband and all your family members uh, attending church together. What was happening on the other side when you went back home and in your life and his, what was going on? Well, truth being, I really had no desire to be reconciled with him. I came out of a divorced family, and divorce was in my grandparents and, you know, the history. So I I thought divorce was okay. I did not understand about covenant marriage. My husband was dating another woman for several years and was involved in that relationship when we were inviting him to church. And I was okay with that at the time because I had no desire to reconcile with him. I did not want to go back to where we were. I was afraid. I didn't want to live that way. And at that time, I did not understand the power of God to change people and that he could restore. So my prayer was just for him and his life to really know the Lord as as I was coming to know the Lord. But I do believe he saw the Lord blessing me. The Lord made a way for me to buy a house and my business was prospering, and just he saw me growing in the Lord. There was one day when the Lord put something on my heart to speak to my husband, and I did not know how he was going to react. I was afraid, but I had to be obedient to the Lord. So when I went to pick up a child support check, I said, do you have a minute? came outside, and I just spoke two sentences that the Lord had me speak. And he said, you don't know how long I've waited to hear that. And he teared up, and I teared up, and we hugged. And I believe that was the beginning of God breaking down those walls of hurt and pain. Because he never understood how I could just throw him to the side and eliminate him from my life like we never had anything. And when the Lord woke me up and showed me, that I had rejected my husband, I had rejected counseling, I had totally discarded him as my husband, that I had that aha moment that we speak about where I said, oh my God, what have I done? And that was when I sat in my apartment sorting out pictures and looking at all the memories and the Lord woke me up to look what you've done. And I had to be accountable. Amen. Amen. I know everyone is going to be wanting to know those two sentences. Do you mind sharing? Well, I don't recall exactly what I said, but the Lord had me say something to the effect of, I was sorry. I apologized to him for hurting him. And I asked him to forgive me for what I had done in not wanting to go to counseling and save our marriage. Because during those first two years, while I was having the affair, he was, he was depressed and he was going to a divorce group to try to get help. Amazing. So after that repentance and apologizing and humbling yourself before your husband, what continued on afterwards? I feel like our hearts were more open toward each other. And there was much more peace, not so much tension when the kids would go back and forth. And even when I bought my house, he was so generous in helping me fix up the house and very, very helpful in that way. I believe 
Well, I know he told me later when we started reconciling that he always loved me, but I never indicated that I had any desire to be back with him, and I think he probably had some fear of rejection again because I did it before, so he never said anything about it. So we would just kind of tease around at times, and we were friendly, but he was still dating other women, and he had his own life. A couple hours north, he bought a house north, and... God was sending people into my path to ask me, do you ever think that you would get back with your husband? One was a pastor. One was my mother. And the last one was um, the director at a pregnancy center that I worked for. And all three of those times I said, no, God hasn't shown me that. God hasn't told me that. But truth being, I never inquired of the Lord. I never asked him because I didn't want to hear the answer. My prayer to God was, I don't want to be alone. I'm lonely. I want a husband. And his gentle, gracious response would always be, I'm protecting you. I'm saving you for the right one. You're my special treasure. And I said, okay, God, I'm not going to ask anymore. So it was quite a few years before I got bold enough to say, Lord, if I'm supposed to remain single the rest of my life, give me the grace to do that. If not, I trust you to choose my husband. I was fasting and praying that January, and about four months later, I started having dreams about my husband and I joking around, flirting around, spending time together, and I would wake up and say, God, what are you doing? I don't want to be with him. And he said to me, he's your husband. You're not getting another husband. He's your only husband. Trust me. God does speak in many different ways, does he not? And I know that many of our men and women have had dreams uh, about their spouses at the most inopportune times. And, and, and God is saying, knock, knock. This is the one that I want you to go back to your original covenant spouse. And it's so amazing and it's so exciting. And also frightening at the same time because you do go back and remember the past and not think of what God's going to do in the future. So after that dream, what transpired in your life to bring you two back together again? Did your heart start softening toward your husband after the Lord had you have that dream? Yes. And he was an usher in the church. So I found myself sitting closer and closer to him, a couple seats away. And I think he noticed that I was getting closer God was really putting him back in my heart and giving me a love as a husband, not just a brotherly love. But the confusing thing was he was still with the other woman. So I went to work after I had that dream, and my Christian girlfriend there, I told her about it. I said, but he's with the other woman still. She said, that doesn't matter. Let's pray. So we prayed together that God would remove that other woman from his life and make a way for us to start reconnecting. And that's exactly what God did. Very shortly after, him and the other woman had a falling out. And the Lord prompted me about six months from the dream to call my husband and share with him what was going on in my heart. And I argued and resisted all day long until I got home that night and I had no peace I had to obey. What were you afraid of? What were you thinking he might say to you? I was afraid of being vulnerable. I was afraid of rejection. 
I was afraid that he would get angry with me because of past hurts and pains. So when I called him and shared with him what was going on in my heart and the dreams, and I said, I'm not quite sure what to do with this, and he was silent. And then he said, do you know what hell you put me through? And I said, well, we both had a lot of issues. And I'm not quite sure what to do, but let's just pray about it. He said, okay, we'll just pray about it. And we left it at that. Within about a month, we started going around each other more with other people, other couples in our family. Um, That was October. It wasn't until February the next year, which was right around Valentine's Day, that he asked me on a date. And we went to lunch, and it was very awkward. He said, I don't really know you anymore. It was awkward because we really did not know each other. We had been divorced at that point for 15 years. And as I said, the first three years... I was having an affair the next 12 years. It was just me and the Lord as my husband because I was rebellious. I didn't want to be back with my husband. I'm sure the Lord would have worked much quicker if I was surrendered and yielded and trusting him. So as we sat and had lunch, kind of fumbling through conversation, he was very respectful. It was like we were on a first date. It was quite nice. (laughs) And from there, we started seeing each other more and more. And that is how it starts the process of marriage restoration. As God just does it, and he starts the feelings and starts the sparks in the romantic part of our life that we close down because of all the different issues that we've had and we've been um, disobedient Many of us have been disobedient to what the Lord is wanting us to do and rebelling and holding on to our will and way instead of his will and way. Did this give you hope for marriage restoration? Absolutely. And in my mind, because God was doing this, I thought it was going to be a quick work. Little did I know that he needed to rebuild our foundation, our friendship, And because God doesn't want us to go back to where we were and fail again, he wants us to have better than we could ever imagine. He had quite a work to continue in me. Uh, I think at that point I was a little self-righteous because I had been serving and teaching and was a leader in the church and thought I was in a really good place. And the Lord started showing me my issues that I still had. And of course, I was picking already at my husband's issues. And he made it very clear, I don't want to get married again. Been there, done that. There's no reason to. And you're not going to change me. I like my life. I enjoy my life. So where do you want this to go? What, what do you want? And I said, well, I want to get remarried. And he said, it's not going to happen. How did that make you feel? Well, that was very disheartening to say the least. And I was confused. And we know the confusion is of the enemy, not of God. So I really had to seek the Lord again. And God, what do you want me to do? I don't understand. I said, I I don't want to be with him if it's going to be like this. And he again spoke to my spirit. 
Deanne, this is not about you. I need your husband saved for you, for your kids, for your future grandchildren, your future lineage. So I need you to trust me. Pick up your cross. Lay your life down as a living sacrifice. And be Jesus to him. Just be Jesus to him. Be fun-loving, light-hearted. Just be that gentle, tender, loving, kind woman that he desires you to be. And I just said, God, help me, because I don't know how to be that woman. I was always more serious. Um, I always been a manager and a leader, so I have a little more, uh, I guess, powerful personality. And my husband did not like that at all. He didn't like feeling like I was trying to be the head and be in control and try to change him and try to, you know how us women do. I learned when God rescued me from the suicide thoughts and so graciously washed me and gave me joy and just healed me that I would never say no to God again. My heart from that point was, Lord, I just want to honor you. I want to please you. I want to obey you. I always will say yes to you. So my response was, yes, Lord, I will do it. I will trust you. And I know that you will get me through this. So for the next four years, I was struggling to be that woman that God called me to be and try not to be critical of my husband's bad habits because I was concerned for his health. And two, he lives two hours north. So we were weekend, weekend only relationship. Through that, his mother had Alzheimer's. The economy was giving you know us troubles with for his business, and we were going through a lot of life situations. Well, thank God he led me to this ministry, Rejoice, in 2012. And when I started listening to Zip Your Lips and Forgive Them and all of those wonderful teachings and attending the local monthly Bible study, that was truly an answer to prayer because I did not know how to advance past where I was because the church doesn't have the answers specifically for marriage restoration. There was no type of group in my church. It was just me and the Lord. So when I started connecting to Rejoice and getting the specifics, getting the wisdom, getting the knowledge, and really, Lord, change me first, when I thought I was okay, but I really needed to be changed more. And I stopped focusing on my husband's issues, and I started focusing on my issues because I'm only accountable to God for me. I can't change my husband. I, I can't force him, push him. And that's what puts the walls between you when you're trying to overstep that boundary that we're not God, we're not Holy Spirit the teacher, we're not Satan to condemn, we're not God to judge. And I had to learn my place, that I needed to, God told me, instead of saying it to him, pray it to me. Mm. So whatever would upset me, bother me, hurt me, instead of reacting to him, I would excuse myself, walk away, get quiet, whatever I had to do, and I would just immediately cast that on the Lord and give it to him so that God could be in control of whatever he wanted to do in my husband's life. That is when Bob writes about me going to the bathroom a lot of times. I, I would go to the bathroom and pray 
okay, Lord, what do I do now with this? Look at what's happening. Defend me. Be my advocate. And that is so true, exactly what you said, is that you need to pray to the Lord, and he will touch and change our spouses. Oh, my. That's just uh, amazing when you see it happen. And Bob would come in two to three days later after our disagreement, and he goes, I heard on the radio, and it answered all the questions that we had. So I want to say I'm sorry to you, and let me tell you what he says we both can learn. And that was just like manna from the Lord just answering my prayers that I had in the bathroom. So at this point, our children were grown. They were adults. We had a grandchild from my daughter. And both of our families were in awe of what was happening because they knew it was a miracle from God that we were working on our relationship again. And it wasn't quick and easy like I thought it was going to be. So sometimes we think, well, if God was in it, it would be easy, it would be quick, it would be smooth. And that's not always true because, like I said, God was working on me, God was working on my husband, and our journey was, was more difficult, I think, because of all, all of our issues. I think you have to realize that all that God has been doing through this period of time, the enemy is still trying to steal, kill, and destroy this marriage that God has told you, and he is in awe of all your changes. The enemy wants to destroy that. And delays and, and all the extra things are going on. You, you got to remember, there is an enemy that's trying right now to take him away and, and say, forget it. Because God wants marriage restoration. That is so true. Because during the 10 years that we were dating, and that may sound like a long time, but it was weekends only as we lived two hours apart. And there were probably three to four times during that period that we were separated for a month or two due to disagreement. Usually my mouth saying something to him and he's saying, you're not going to change me. You're not going to control me. I know I have faults. I know I have bad habits. Just pray for me. And out of my husband's mouth, he would say, just pray for me. Stop saying anything to me. So we're slow learners. Are we not? (laughs) So I stopped mentioning marriage because it was a sore subject and the Lord really told me to stop looking at the calendar, stop looking at the clock and just trust him that I was not sinning. I was not doing anything wrong. So don't let the devil beat me up. Just God was in control and we had to, I had to wait on God's time. What was God teaching you through this time of waiting? The Lord really was impressing upon me that my maker is my husband. So as I did for the years that I was without my husband, I needed to continue to look to God as my husband to fulfill me, satisfy me, meet all of my needs. And he really did speak that to my heart. Whatever you need, just ask me, look to me. Because there are certain things as you're growing and reconciling and rebuilding your relationship, you're not able to meet your spouse's needs and they're not able to meet your needs because you're still wounded in yourself. You're you're still a work in progress yourself. So when we look to the Lord, 
to be our everything, he will provide. He is Jehovah Jireh, the Lord, our provider, and he will supply all of our needs, whatever it is in our body, our soul, our spirit, in our emotions, you know, women, in our emotions, our mental, whatever we need. He really is our everything. And as I kept looking at the Lord and not looking and expecting more from my husband, that's when I feel God was working the most. So the less I said to my husband, the more I saw God orchestrating and bringing about the desires of my heart as to the kind of woman that my husband needed me to be and the kind of wife that I desired to be. My, my heart's prayer, Charlene, from, from the day he rescued me from suicide is, Lord, change me. And I learned early on that he is my papa, my Abba, and that I can trust him to lovingly and gently correct me. So I was taught early on, Lord, chastise, rebuke, discipline, and correct me because I'm your daughter and you're my, my father and I need it. So I've never let go of that for 23 years now that I've been back in an intimate relationship with the Lord that I say, Lord, change me, shape me, mold me into the woman, the wife, the mother, the grandmother that I'm supposed to be and continue to correct me every day because I just want to obey God and I want to honor him. I want to do all that I do as unto the Lord because that obedience to God brings blessing, it brings freedom, and it brings peace. Peace that we don't have to work, we don't have to labor, we can rest in the Lord. And that is something I only learned maybe three years ago is how to rest in the Lord because I'm a doer, I'm a worker. But when I stopped doing and laboring and I took the yoke of Christ upon me, which was easy and light, and just trust in the Lord with all my heart and not lean on my own understanding, but just acknowledge him in everything, in, in every way, and allow him to order my steps and direct my path one day at a time. And that is where we truly do have rest and freedom. And that opens the door and gives God permission to take control and do what only God can do to bring the change necessary. In both of your hearts and lives, but definitely you're standing and praying and you are the one that has to learn to surrender to the Lord so he can work on your husband. And that is so awesome. Amen. And when you've been talking for the last several minutes, the scripture, John 15, came to my mind of the vine and the branches. And I would like to read that to you because what you have done is so obedient to the Lord and having us just seek his face and have that personal, intimate relationship with him, which does not include our children. It does not include our husbands at that personal, quiet time. And, uh, and that makes you strong when you walk out of that to go be what all you need to be for your children spiritually and your husband. Uh, John 15, I'm going to read, and it says, The vine and the branches. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. 
You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be given to you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples. And I think you have really talked for the last several minutes about being a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ was priority to anything else. And then the rest was the fruits. So you have been totally dependent on the Lord and your encounter and relationship, that personal relationship. And it did not depend on anybody else. It was your special quiet time, you resting in the Lord. Yes, Charlene, I realized that my walk with the Lord, whether I was with my husband or not with my husband, that was intimate between me and God. Amen. And no one has to have the relationship that I have with God. And I think as, as a stander, a lot of times we try to preach and teach and encourage our spouses to pray with us and do devotions and read the Bible together. And those are all great things. But we need to let the Holy Spirit lead our spouses to do that. And we need to just continue with our relationship with the Lord. Actually, about three years ago, um, the Lord put in my heart, DM, what if your husband died tomorrow? What would you do? And I said, well, Lord, I love you. I would keep serving you, and I would keep being who you called me to be and do whatever ministry you call me to, and I want to finish my race. I want to fulfill my purpose and my destiny. So really, that's what we have to keep in mind. Amen. Each one of us have our own purpose and destiny and our own relationship with the Lord, and it doesn't mean our spouse has to have the same. They have their own in their way, and we have our own in our way. Because when we try to make clones— there is a clashing and there's a rebelling and he has his own special gifts and you have yours yes and they may be totally black and white so when you go to church together he goes his way you go your way in serving the lord but it's all under the covenant of your marriage and that's so well said that we don't have to be doing the same thing with the lord uh, serving him in church or whatever ministry. Amen. I'd like to read a scripture, but before I do, the Lord reminded me that we all have our faults and our flaws. We all fall short, and it's so important for us to give grace and show mercy. What we need, we have to give out. We need mercy, we give mercy. We need grace, we give grace. We need forgiveness, we give forgiveness. Amen. We need love, we give love. So whatever we want to receive, we must first give out. In Galatians 6, 1 and 2, the Lord says that those who are spiritual help restore those who have transgressed, whatever that encompasses, because it could have been you. And when the Lord showed me that a few years ago, I was like, wow. You know, what I look at my husband and say, well, he's doing this and that. It could have been me. Mm -hmm. 
And he can look at me and say, wow, what her faults are, it could have been me. So we, we have no right to point the finger and judge one another. It really is about pleasing and honoring the Lord. The scripture I like to read is Philippians 3 and starting in verse 8. Yet indeed, I also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know him, and that's always been my heart's desire, to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings and being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid a hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind. And Charlene, we know that is so critical. Positively. When my husband and I started seeing each other again, we would each bring up things of the past, and we found very quickly it was destructive. So obeying the word, we had to forget those things which were behind. Amen. And we had to only do what the word says, which is reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Such a powerful key for marriage restoration. Forget the past. Don't go fishing in the past, in the garbage because he is doing a new thing. Do you not perceive it? And we don't want to talk about the past. We want to go forward for what God is doing in us now and in the future. Such a truth. Yes, indeed. So what has God been doing recently in your relationship? Well, Charlene, last year was a tough year. We had a lot of struggles, and it seemed that we were taking a few steps back at times. And I would just keep saying, no, devil, you're not having this marriage. You're not, you're not going to interfere with what God is doing. I continue to believe that God had a wonderful plan for my husband and I to be married and to finish the testimony and just trying to really keep my eyes on the Lord and love unconditionally and be all that God's called me to be. My daughter was coming in town for, for Christmas and my son, we were all going to be together on Christmas and, um, got up and made breakfast as usual. And my husband went upstairs and my daughter's like, uh, my grandson wasn't able to come. So she said, Landon has a message for you. So she played a video of my grandson and it said, Mimi, please say yes. And I looked at my daughter and I said, what is he saying? He wants me to come visit and snuggle with him. He wants me to say, yes, I'll snuggle. And all of a sudden I look to my left and my husband is standing there with a ring in the box. (laughs) How exciting. And before any words could be spoken, we were all crying. My husband and I, my daughter, my son, we were all crying And my kids knew about it. Like about two months before, 
my son was with my husband when they went to purchase the ring and my, he called my daughter who lives out of state and was getting her advice. So my kids knew what was going to happen, but I had no clue. It was just a normal Christmas morning. So that was my miracle. My suddenly that was totally unexpected because of the rough year that we had. I never imagined that my husband was going to propose on Christmas morning. So when things seem like they're getting worse, we must walk by faith and not by sight. Amen. Don't look at what they're doing. Don't look at what's going on and what's being said. Don't take, take those things personal because really God is working above that, that we can't see. And his timing is amazing. <laughs> Amen. And he loves to surprise us with his timing and not ours. And he truly shocked you and that is the most awesome thing i think that it is so amazing when you read the testimonies on thursday or saturday that we get to read how that god ordains the suddenlies when they really are not expecting them and then there it is suddenly and god gives that blessing it's just like a hug from him saying yes this is my time. You've done it. We've got both of you here, and I'm reuniting you into one flesh. And that is just amazing. I just love it. Charlene, I can truly say I have no regrets in this 10-year process that we've come through because it was definitely worth the ups, the downs, the struggles, the doubts and getting back on track every time because our testimony is going to be complete and it glorifies the Lord. Amen. It's going to be a blessing to our children, our grandchild and our future grandchildren. All of our future generations are going to know about our story. And your legacy is that you have lived, your whole family has lived divorce in so many different family members, but you have run the race for marriage restoration. And what um, you, you fought the fight and you finished the race and not give up. And that is what we want to say to the, stand, to the men and women, that they don't give up due to any circumstances. Just keep going forward. And don't look back. Keep listening to the Holy Spirit. Ask the Lord questions. He is faithful to show us his answers if we will seek him and pray to him. He does speak to his children so often. We are just thrilled to have you be able to share your story, your testimony of where you've been and all that you have gone through from a child to now and see what God is doing. And I can only tell you all that even now as Bob has passed away, it is more awesome to have the Lord as your husband in the different seasons of life. I encourage you, if you do not know the Lord as your husband, your timing now May you seek him and, and fight for it. You know, spend the time with him to get there. It's worth it. Charlene, I would love to pray. Father God, we just thank you that you are a God of miracles. 
you are God of the impossible and that absolutely nothing is ever too far gone or too hard for you. Lord, I thank you for all that you've done for my marriage and my life. Lord, we have the testimony of Charlene and Bob and so many others around the world that you are always working. You are always moving. Father, you hear every precious prayer that every man and woman who is believing for you to intervene and bring their prodigals home and restore their marriages. Father, you hear every cry of their hearts. You catch every tear that we shed. Father, I pray that you would give each one encouragement and faith. Lord, bring a refreshing and a renewing of their faith, of their, of their hope. Father, of believing that you are faithful. That no matter the time, the day, Father, is, it's always going to be your time and your way as your thoughts and your ways are so high above ours. Lord, as I planned my wedding to be married in six months, and little did I know that it would be a 10-year journey, Father God, that has been so precious and so valuable. Lord, as I am a new woman, and my husband is a new man, and we are to be joined once again. So, Father, I thank you that you are our husband. As your word says, our maker is our husband that you are all that we need. You gave your best. And as we look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, I pray over every precious one, Lord, that we have the mind of Christ and that Jesus is the author and finisher of that faith. And that, Lord, we keep our eyes and our minds and our hearts fixed on you. Father, that we will not be distracted or discouraged by what our spouses may say or do. Father, looking at their lives and their choices. Lord, I pray that we would just continue to pray and believe, Father, that you have a plan and your plans, they are good. You said, I know the plans that I have for you. They are for good and not evil, for a hope and a future. And Lord, we bless you. We bless you for all that you're doing that you're doing in our lives for all that is to come. Father, I thank you that we will show mercy and grace and unconditional love to our spouses and our families. Father, that we will forgive at all times, that we will keep peace at all times. Lord, because we are to do all that we do as unto you. And that was my saving grace through this whole journey is that my heart desire to honor you and obey you and give you glory at all times. It was not about me, and you made that very clear, Deanne, it's not about you. Lord, you will protect us and provide and meet our needs, but it is not about us alone. It is about your heart's desire. It is about your plan to restore our marriages and our families. It is about the great big picture Father, that you have for our families. So, Lord, I pray your amazing grace, your great grace to be given to every precious man and woman every single day, Lord God, that we would be filled up with your joy, the joy of the Lord that is our strength. And, Father, that we would continue to march forward and seek first your kingdom and your righteousness. And, Lord, all those other things will be added unto us, that we will not look to man, we will look to you because you 
are all that we need. Father, we give you praise and honor and glory for you are worthy in Jesus' name. Amen. If we can help you in any way, we invite you to visit the website of Rejoice Marriage Ministries at www.rejoiceministries.org. Thanks for joining us today as we proclaim that God heals hurting marriages.